Hi, you're listening to Driven E-Commerce at Work, the podcast where we bring in conversations with the e-commerce experts to talk about their processes and lessons learned in creating an impact on their online business. And I'm your host, Shiva Kumar, Head of Digital Strategy at DC Cap. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning into another episode of Driven E-Commerce at Work. So this episode is actually a recording from uh, one of our e-sessions that happened recently. So we conduct e-session every month. If you wanted to register for the upcoming e-session or upcoming events and to see the previous events, go check them out at dccap.com events. So uh, this, uh, this is not actually a conversation. Uh, we brought in one, one of the interesting uh, personality in the distribution space. And uh, we actually want him to present us and walk us through about their digital transformation journey. So our guest today is Ryan Van Hooser. Ryan is the Vice President of Operations for Marysville Marine, a wholesale and e-commerce supplier of boating parts and accessories. For over 17 years, Ryan has led the marketing and e-commerce efforts for Marysville Marine, overseeing the growth and vision for both Marysville Marine and its retail counterpart, Marine Parts Source. Ryan also oversees the purchasing, inventory, and product management for the company, ensuring that all parts tie together seamlessly. So Ryan is going to give us a 40-minute presentation and the video version of this episode is actually available in DC Cap's YouTube channel. I'm going to get that on the podcast description. Uh, go check them out if you want. Other than that, uh, let's get on to the episode. All right. So we did recently uh, complete our transformation um, with DC Cap's help this year, um, um, migrating from our old website platform on Magento One to our new platform, and I just wanted to uh, talk today and kind of go through what that journey was like for us to give you a little bit of background on uh, Marysville Marine. We are a wholesale distributor of boating equipment. Uh, not so much the uh, type of equipment you might find in a sporting goods store. We don't sell life jackets and inflatables and that sort of thing. We do um, sell the parts and accessories that really make the boat operate. Everything from, you know, the the boat, the engine parts, the steering components, plumbing, electrical pieces, um, that type of thing. Anything that makes the boat work is what we sell. Uh, we operate out of five distribution centers across the United States. Uh, we've been in business since 1973, and we've been selling online since 2002, which for the marine industry uh, was pretty advanced at the time. Um, it was a pretty novel concept to even just expose our live inventory to our customers. Uh, to have product images and descriptions at the time. So um, kind of early to that scene. And then um, we also at the same time added our uh, e-commerce uh, portion of the business called Marine Parts Source. And uh, we operate in the back end behind the scenes with an ERP system called Profit 21. It's made by a company called Epicor. If you're a wholesale distributor, it's probably a piece of software that you're familiar with or have at least heard about. As I mentioned, uh, in addition to the distribution side of our business, the wholesale side, we do have an e-commerce direct-to-consumer 
business called Marine Parts Source, um, where we target the do-it-yourselfers, the people that um, are going to take repairs and, and maintenance into their own hands. Um, this has become a pretty significant portion of our business over the years. We also reach out to those customers through our own eBay store as well. We've been doing that for a number of years as well. So we're operating those two sites um, as well as the eBay store uh, out of five different locations across the country. And so last year during the summer, we started to really contemplate the idea of maybe we need to migrate um, platforms from where we were. We had been on Magento version one for about five years and it had been good for us. Um, it was a little bit of a, a rocky transition initially, but um, once we got onto the platform and kind of got things um, figured out, it had been a, a really uh, good growth vehicle for us. Um, and uh, so, you know, over, after five years, we started to take a look at, um, you know, where we were and, and what were the next steps. And one of the big motivators on why we thought we needed to maybe migrate platforms was because Magento did announce last year end of life for uh, Magento version one. Um, they announced that it would be in June 2020 of this year. And so that was something that we really took into strong consideration about, you know, how is that going to affect us? We started to look at can we operate past end of life on Magento one. And we determined pretty quickly that it was something we didn't want to do uh, for security purposes. Just we didn't want to be out of support and on our own to fend off any kind of attacks. We wanted to make sure that we were uh, within PCI compliance. So um, this was the big main reason why we made that change and um, or we decided to make that change. Um, and, and so we started to look at uh, what our options were after that. Um, some of the other big reasons that we wanted to make that migration, um, one was this, to improve the speed and performance of the sites. Um, Magento One was a pretty um, complex program with a lot of bells and whistles, but one thing it was not known for um, was its performance, uh, particularly when you add a, a bunch of additional extensions onto it to get it to where you want it to perform. Um, so one of the things we really wanted to target as, if we were going to make this move was to um, make our sites more user-friendly, have a better speed and performance for our customers. Another big um, piece of this puzzle that we wanted to attack with this uh, migration was to improve the B2B capabilities. Uh, of our site. Um, as I mentioned, back in 2002, when we first started to sell online, just showing inventory and having a way to place orders uh, for our wholesale customers was a pretty big deal for the boating industry. And, um, you know, that, that was something that kind of set us apart. But 18 years later, I think that uh, customers' expectations have changed dramatically. Um, you know, now the B2B customer really has an expectation level that the shopping experience for them is just as seamless as if they were shopping in a B2C environment, shopping on Amazon or something of that nature. They want all of the performance and um, features that they're used to, but in addition, they want some features that are specific to that B2B experience, such as being able to manage multiple users on their account, being able to see their account balance, see past invoices and, and issue returns and that sort of thing. Um, so we wanted to, to dive deeper into those capabilities and see what we could do to expand that experience for our B2B customers. 
And then another thing that we really wanted to try and improve upon uh, with this transformation was uh, better integration with our ERP system, Profit 21. Um, we had some basic integration with our Magento One sites. Uh, orders were importing into the ERP. We were able to do some basic customer updates and inventory updates, but we really wanted to tighten that integration up and, and um, automate a lot more of the transfer of data that's going back and forth between the two systems. So that was a major point for us to address as we got into this project. Just because we were on version one of Magento didn't necessarily mean we were going to um, immediately jump to Magento 2. We wanted to take a look at our options. Uh, Magento 2 um, is a completely new platform from, from version one. It's not just a simple upgrade. They basically started from scratch and, and rebuilt the whole platform. So it is a true migration. Uh, so with that in mind, we did decide to, to look at different uh, possibilities for what would be the best fit for us. We looked at Shopify Plus, Big Commerce. We looked at Oro Commerce which is a e-commerce platform that is specifically designed um, and targeted more to the wholesale distributor. And of course we looked at Magento version two as well. And we looked at some other pieces of software too. Ultimately we did come down uh, to deciding to go with Magento and there were some specific reasons why it stood out and was a better fit for us. Now, one of the uh, main reasons was it's, it just comes with a lot of features. Um, compared to some of the other options that are out there. One of the things, as I mentioned before, that we wanted to try and um, avoid is a lot of additional extensions because they really weigh down your uh, platform. They can really affect the, the performance negatively. So finding a piece of software that had as many of the features that we were looking for out of the box was important. Um, because we felt like it was going to perform better and more seamlessly than if we had to put a lot, bunch of extensions together to make it to where we wanted it to be. So um, that was important. We also, it, it was critical that um, the piece of software that we went with could support multiple sites running off of the one installation since we did have both marysvillemarine.com and marinepartsource.com. And it was important that we had um, support for multi-location or multi-source, basically that it could handle understanding that we had five locations of inventory, we're shipping from different areas, depending on where the customer is, uh, you may wanna use a different location for the source of, of the order. You know, that was something that we just wanted to make sure that that software could support. Another big uh, selling point for Magento and we went with the commerce cloud version of Magento. Uh, the reason why is because the cloud version offers a lot of B2B features. They have a whole set uh, of B2B features and um, tools that uh, the regular version of Magento and then other e-commerce platforms just did not have. And, and there's a lot of um, work being done in this space as far as big commerce, Shop Shopify, they're all Salesforce they're all aiming towards trying to um, add this type of functionality to their platforms. At the time that we were looking at it a year ago, Magento just seemed like they were a step ahead. I haven't looked to see what the comparison is like today, but um, certainly 
a year ago, Magento seemed like they were further down the road with B2B features than some of the other platforms that were out there. And then I'm not going to lie, transition, having an easy transition between the two systems was important. Even though it is um, completely rebuilt from scratch, Magento 2 is, um, a lot of the language and organization of data that is used is the same as what was on Magento 1. So we felt like there was going to be a little bit less of a learning curve with, um, with going with that platform versus if we jumped completely to something new. And then finally, what was really important for me was um, making sure that there was a strong developer community around the software. Uh, you know, e-commerce environments always changing. The expectations of the customers are always changing. And it seems like it's just accelerating the need for change um, every year. It seems like there's just so much more to know and keep up with. So we really wanted to make sure that we were partnering with a software package that um, there was a lot of investment in its growth and that there was a developer community around it that was going to continue to thrive so that we would have flexibility as we went into the future. Uh, you don't want to be stuck on a platform that's going nowhere, that's not adding new features as they develop, that's not paying attention to the direction that the industry is going. And so we felt like with Magento, there was a really strong support community around it that we were going to have options as we go into the future. We we're going to be able to find developers who could help to steer us in the right direction and add the functionality we need as we discover it. So then another one of the more critical pieces of the beginnings of this project is choosing a developer partner to help guide us through the migration. And uh, there's a lot of different uh, factors to consider when you're looking at a developer, uh, who to pick. And I've tried to list all of those different factors here. I, I hope that I've covered them all. Uh, first of all, you, you definitely want to find somebody who can communicate effectively. And second, you know, it's really important that they can communicate really well. And, and third, um, it's just so important that they have really good communication skills. And I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but fourth, did I mention communication? Um, I think that I'm a little bit traumatized from uh, previous projects when we've migrated pre uh, before we had developer partners who just weren't responsive or when they did respond, it, it, was, it was really delayed or it was a very vague response and it took several interactions back and forth to really get clear answers from them. Um, you know, it's, it's just so important to find a partner that you can depend upon to respond quickly, uh, to be concise and clear and honest. And um, that's not always the easiest thing to find. And even when you're in the initial stages of an interviewing a developer, it's, it's tough to know what you're really going to get when you um, start the project because everybody's on their best behavior when they're first um, uh, it being interviewed for the job, right? So everybody is responsive and, and doing all the right things, crossing the T's and dotting the I's. And you really don't know who you're working with until you sign on those papers and you start the project. But there are some clues and, and tips I think you can pick up on through that initial interview process that I think helps to give you an indication of what to expect later. Now, obviously communication is not the only thing, though it is the most important thing for me uh, when we were choosing the developer. There were other factors as well. And most of those centered around the fact that we wanted to make sure that the partner we chose was going to be capable of pulling off the project. 
uh, we know that we offer a lot of complexity to what we were needing. And so it was important that we had someone who's really capable um, and who had experience with those types of complex projects um, before. So um, one of the first things that we did was we reached out to Magento directly and got their um, recommendations and we told them what we were needing, you know, as far as the multi-site, multi-locations, um, that we were wanted to integrate with Profit 21 and they gave us a short list of developers that they were familiar with and comfortable recommending for that type of project. Um, all of them were Magento certified and, and that was really um, the first checkbox that, that had to be um, checked off was that uh, the developer had all of the uh, credentials and, um, and was familiar with the software. And then second, we wanted to make sure that they were capable of the integration with Profit 21. Were they familiar with that piece of software? Did they have the talent on staff to be able to um, understand it and, and integrate it with Magento? And in previous projects, you know, we've had to hire multiple developers, you know, one for handling the integration part and then another to handle the uh, front end web development. And that can get messy if you've got two and three developers working on the same project, when something doesn't work, everybody's in first response is to say, oh, it must be the other person's code that's creating the issue. So it's really appealing idea for us to find a partner who could do everything from beginning to end, who understood the entire project, both the back end and the front end parts of it and how they work together. That's not an easy thing to find either. Um, Another piece that we wanted to look for was, um, has that developer had experience with similar types of customers as us? Other wholesale distributors doing B2B web interfaces. Um, have they dealt with doing multiple sites? Have they done, dealt with doing multiple sources of inventory? Have they dealt with Profit 21 before? Have they dealt with Magento before? Um, could we see similar types of projects in their history to us. Uh, so that was something that we looked for. And then of course, you know, you can't go on Amazon and just read customer reviews of your developer. Uh, but there are sites out there like Clutch where you can review um, coders and developers and programmers. And so we definitely checked those. And of course, with everybody that we were interviewing, we asked for references and we interviewed those customers. Uh, to see what their experience was like, to see if it was similar to ours, and if they had any major issues in working with, with those developers. Now, obviously, because I'm speaking today, you guys know that I did uh, choose DCCAP as our partner for this project, um, and they really just checked all of those boxes that we were talking about. They came in with multiple Magento certifications. Uh, they uh, were familiar with Profit 21, had done that type of integration with Magento before. They had done uh, similar projects as to what we were asking for uh, previously, uh, had similar types of customers to us, and the reviews and the, the testimonials that we were able to find about DCCAP were all really positive. But more than anything else, their communication through that initial phase of um, investigation of different developers and everything was just top-notch. They really stood out in the fact that they um, provided feedback quickly. They were very responsive to our questions. Um, they were clear about what they could do, uh, what limitations there might be uh, for what we were looking for. 
So I, I just can't say enough about all of that really was a, a good hint to how uh, they were going to operate during the project. They, they really had great communication. And um, I'm happy to say that as we've gotten into the project and, and now um, gone through to completion with launch, um, that has held true through the, the entire process. It did really come down to DC Cap and one other company um, who also uh, was had um, high grades on all of these issues. I mean, they they also had certifications and could do the the integration. Had similar customers, but one thing that really um, beyond all of this that made DC Cap stand out for us was this piece of software called Chloris, which I do feel is a, a game changing piece of middleware that we're using to connect Magento with uh, Profit 21. Now, a lot of times when you're doing integrations between two systems, it's just a, a couple of APIs. It's a bunch of code. And, and if you're like me, maybe you're just a, a, a layman and, and you wouldn't understand what all that code means. Uh, but what the great thing about Chloris is it's a graphic interface that you log in and you can very easily see how the two systems connect together. You can see that this field from P21 maps over to this field in Magento and you can see the schedule for how often it's updating and you can see the direction. Does it, does it update just from Profit 21 to Magento or vice versa or do they update each other? Um, and, and it's all customizable. So, I mean, it's, it, it's a really fluid piece of software with infinite number of integrations that you can create between two systems. And it's not just for those two pieces of software either. It can integrate with other e-commerce platforms. It can integrate with other ERP systems. I think it can integrate with Salesforce and HubSpot and other um, marketing type of systems as well. So there's a lot of um, functionality and ability with this software. And um, for us, it really stood out as a powerful piece to this project and was one of the big reasons why we decided to choose DC Cap as our partner. Another great thing about Chloris, it's got detailed logging. So it's very easy to see if something didn't work right or if you see that it, you know an update didn't happen when you expected it, you can go into those logs and pretty quickly find what was the issue. Did you have some messy data? That's usually the case is you had bad data that didn't cause it to not update. And so you can find that and, and troubleshoot it pretty easily. So uh, definitely, uh, if anybody was coming to me and was trying to go with, through this same type of project, this is something I'd, I'd definitely recommend they take a strong look at. So beyond the developer being a, you know, good at communication, it, it's really important for us uh, that we were good communicators as well, particularly in the portion of the project when you're defining the project scope. You've chosen your platform, you've chosen the developer you're going to work with. Now you've got to really explain to them everything that you're looking for in the project and you know a good developer partner will guide you they'll ask the right questions as they know them to be to try and step you through the process but they're not going to know the nuances and the idiosyncrasies of your business and it's really the, the responsibility of the customer to communicate those to the developer and and we tried to over communicate our needs. I mean, just get really detailed. You, you can't communicate too much when it comes to this portion of the project. We tried to highlight the main priorities that were the most important to us. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the presentation, things like the performance, um, the ERP integration working correctly, 
um, you know, the enhanced B2B functionality that we were looking for. And, you know, so they knew that, that those were the things we were going to be really measuring them on. But we also got really specific on things like design. You know, we've got in-house designers. So we were able to put together mock-ups and hand them over to DC Cap. And they were very, we were very explicit about how we wanted the homepage and the product pages and the category pages to look. And um, they were able to match them almost exactly. Uh, DC cap was so that that was terrific and then uh, for performance we got very specific about the metrics we were looking for what kind of page load times we were wanting I mean we put numbers to this to give detailed um, expectations for them and then also with functionality step-by-step processes of this is how we want the user experience to go Um, and, and try not to miss or assume uh, that they that DC Cap's going to know any piece of this, um, just really get specific on it, and um, that scope of work document's got to be very detailed. And if and, and it's hard to think of everything, I would say that you're not going to. I know I didn't, um, but you try your best to to cover all your bases, and and again, just be very detailed about it when you sign off on it, uh, because later in the project, you want to avoid any surprises as much as possible. And then one of the other things once you're defining the scope is you're going to be picking out what kind of integrations you're going to need uh, to go along with the, the main web platform. I don't think there's a e-commerce site out there that can get by just out of the box. Most everybody's going to need some sort of third-party integration, even if it's just for shipping and, and um, payment. But uh, what you want to try and avoid is you know adding too many of those. I, I know there's a lot of really attractive integrations and extensions that are out there and you're like, oh, that'd be neat to add to my site. But you start loading the site up with a bunch of those and the next thing you know, it's Frankenstein's website where you've got all these different pieces cobbled together to try and, and uh, create the site that you want. But it ends up turning out to be a monster and then your uh, customers are um, charging after you with uh, torches and pitchforks and uh, we we want to avoid that so you don't want to have Frankenstein's website you want to be very selective about the integrations that you're going to choose um, here are some of the main third-party integrations we're using uh, we use shipper HQ for a lot of our shipping functionality uh, this is new to us and it's really um, been eye-opening the amount of functionality and and options and and how much we can enhance the user experience uh, with that tool. Uh, We're using PayPal and and Payflow Payflow Pro for our payment integration. Uh, We've been using Payflow Pro for many, many years. Um, MailChimp is our email marketing um, tool and, and then Trustpilot we use for our service and product ratings. Then I've included a couple of developers of extensions down here, uh, Amnesty and MageFan. These are Magento extension developers that are really top-notch. They've developed a lot of different extensions for Magento. Almost all of them are highly rated. And, um, you know, that's the type of thing that um, you really want to look for with a, an extension developer, just like you would with a regular project developer do they have high ratings? Do they have good customer response? You can look at the Q&A on a lot of these extensions pages to see are they responding to the customer questions? Are there regular updates of the extension? Is it live or has it been dormant for many months or years? 
um, you really want to try and only use extensions that are being made by reputable certified uh, developers like Amnesty and MageFan. Another big piece of this project for us was it's a, a lesson I have to learn every time we get into a big project like this and, and I try to be mindful of of changing the way operations happen as a result of, of changes with the website. What I mean by that is that the website touches all aspects of the business, whether it be sales, customer service, marketing, shipping, receiving, purchasing, accounting, the things that you do and the choices you make with the website, particularly when you're doing a big migration like this, it has ripple effects across the entire company. So you change, uh, some piece of data, you change a process, you really need to test that change through to completion. It's not enough to just say, okay, we're changing this one field or a piece of data on how orders are generated and it comes over to the ERP. So yeah, it works. And that's not enough. You really need to see does once it gets to the ERP, how does that order process? How does your pick ticket uh, look when you uh, when it goes to the warehouse. How does shipping have to deal with it? If you have to conduct a return on that order, what does that look like? Does the data affect any of those steps? Does it affect the the daily or monthly accounting? Um, yeah, I would love to say that you know I went into this project and and our team thought of everything, but it's just not possible. Uh, but as you change these different pieces from what they may have been previously. You just really want to test that through to completion. Um, one example would be like um, we have a field for the attribution of the sale of an order uh, to a particular location. So let's say that we sold a, um, an item to a customer that's in, in Michigan, right? And we would want to attribute that sale to our Michigan location. But at the time that they purchased it, maybe there weren't any in stock in Michigan. So it actually came out of Florida or something of that nature. But that value that comes over to our system would be saying the sales attributed to Michigan. So we had a situation with our new sites where we uh, neglected to inform DC cap of how we wanted that data to come across, how we wanted those attribution um, logic to work. And so uh, everything was basically getting attributed to our Michigan locations. They had a really good sales month in August. They looked great. Um, but obviously that's not how we wanted to, to go. And it affected purchasing because now they're looking at the numbers and saying, well, we had this huge spike in uh, sales in Michigan. Do we reorder based on that? It affected accounting. And so these are the things that just a small change for your web can, can make a big impact on, on the rest of the company. Um, some other operational changes that we made include like we added PayPal Express payments. That wasn't something we had offered before. We used PayFlow Pro for our credit card processing, but never accepted PayPal payments pre, uh, before. And, you know, that created a situation where uh, we had to adjust and add additional administrative tasks to be able to capture those funds and, and balance at the end of every day that we hadn't had to do previously. The, the process is different for those payments than it was for our regular credit card processing. So it required creating a new process um, internally. Uh, we also added the new uh, B2B customer management functionality on the site so that our um, wholesale customers 
would be able to add multiple users and they can remove them and set permissions and so forth. And we realized quickly that that was something we were going to need to educate those customers about really one-on-one. -on -one. Um, our customer base is not necessarily the most savvy of computer users. They're definitely excellent marine mechanics, but uh, they're not always the best on a keyboard and screen. So a lot of times you're trying to educate that customer on, on how to use this new functionality and make their account really work the best way possible over the phone. So that was a challenge. Um, we added regional delivery options. We had had delivery options before, but we had never really offered them through the site. So that's a new aspect. And we had to make sure that we were prepared for how that order looks when it comes across from the site to uh, our warehouses. Uh, thanks to Shipper HQ, we're able to add estimated delivery dates at checkout for our customers, which is a great improvement in uh, the experience, but it also sets an expectation level um, for our customers. And we accept back orders, so that kind of throws a wrinkle into that. We had to make some adjustments to make sure that uh, we weren't setting unreal expectations for our customers. Uh, we were able to improve the shipping rate estimates, again, thanks to Shipper HQ, the much more accurate estimates of shipping rates. Uh, we were also able to add a requisition or quick order form for our B2B customers, which is new because a lot of B2B customers, they already know what they want. They know the part numbers. They don't need to do a, any kind of shopping experience where they're browsing around or clicking through categories. They can just open up a form, put in their part numbers and quantities and hit submit and be done. And so we wanted to give them that kind of functionality. And then, um, you know, just more integration with the ERP, again, is one of our main goals with the project. So more tight integration of customer data, order data, product data. And so when you're pushing all that data around, you have to be really careful uh, that it's correct and it's going in the right fields uh, because if you do it incorrectly, it could, again, have that ripple effect that affects uh, beyond just the website. I'll give another example of how an operational change can have some unintended consequences. So we were using Shipper HQ now and um, able to get more accurate rates, which is great, and able to provide estimated delivery times, which again, great. These are two things that improve the user experience. This is what we're going for. We want to continue to improve the user experience. The unintended consequence of this is that FedEx became a much more attractive option at checkout. Uh, the rates for FedEx ground were usually better than UPS ground for us. And also because of estimated delivery times, you know, FedEx delivers on Saturdays. So particularly for orders that were later in the week, our customers are seeing estimated delivery with FedEx that's much quicker than UPS. These two things combined to make FedEx just a much more attractive option. Suddenly after launch, we see this huge spike in the number of orders we're processing using FedEx as the shipping method. Now, previously, UPS had been our main shipping method that, that most customers choose. So this was new to us. Um, were our shipping departments prepared? No, not really. This was a surprise. Um, you know, in each warehouse, we've got areas designated for where we stage our UPS packages and where we stage FedEx packages. All of a sudden, the FedEx area isn't nearly as, as big enough as it needs to be. So we've got to do some uh, quick thinking and, and rearrange uh, how our, our staging areas are, are, um, are designed so that we have enough room for, for FedEx packages. 
Additionally, the processing of FedEx orders is a little bit more manual than UPS. It's a couple of extra steps. And again, so now you're slowing down the, the shipping department from what they were used to, where it was a much quicker processing for a lot of packages. Now there's a, a number of packages more that have that longer process. So again, we're in the busy part of our season in the summer, and uh, that was a challenge. And then, you know, even FedEx drivers were not prepared and, and were affected by this because all of a sudden these drivers are showing up every day and picking up three times as many packages as they were previously. Do they have room on the truck? You know, those are the questions that we didn't know we were going to have to ask when we started this. You know, all we wanted to do was just provide a better experience for our customers at checkout. Who knew that uh, these types of ripples were going to happen? And again, that's why I say, you really try to the best of your ability to test that through to completion. What does it look like when, and, and anticipate what might happen uh, when uh, you make these changes? Some other big challenges that um, we've run into with this project, and I think every web development project has probably run into this first one, which is the changing timeline. I, I can't name it a web project ever that finished on time. If you have ever been a part of one, um, then you should be the one giving this speech and not me. But, um, you know, it, it's something that we, we try to stick to as, as best we could. Um, we started to put this project together last summer and fall, and we really were targeting April as our launch date. Because as you can imagine, the boating season is, is busiest during the summer, June, July, August are just peak times. We wanted to try and launch before we got to that season. And it just wasn't something we were able to pull off. I mean, it was gonna be a tight window uh, to begin with, but then the pandemic happens. And again, one of those things that um, in 2019, we couldn't have predicted. So that slowed down our operations. It slowed down the ability of DC CAP to um, work on the project, though I will give them kudos. They they were able to recover quickly. There were lockdowns in India where a lot of their developers are that slowed things down, but they were able to facilitate remote working for their developers and, and get the project moving forward very quickly from that. It, it, it wasn't too much of a speed bump. And, um, and again, for us as well, we had to navigate that during the April, May timeframe and it slowed down the project some. So again, now we're, we're having to do the launch during the busy season because again, we have that deadline of, of Magento one end of life in June. And so I would have loved to have pushed this off to the winter when we were slower, but it just wasn't a, a reasonable thing to do. So we had to navigate launch when we were at our busiest time, uh, when the most eyes are on us, when the most customers are coming to us. So any issue is just going to be amplified by 10 because of uh, the amount of customers that we're dealing with during that time. Another issue that we're still grappling with, though I think it's going to get better, is the how we handle order allocation through our multiple warehouses. Obviously, we want to ship in the most efficient way possible, but that can become a pretty complex algorithm, particularly with us because we throw a lot of wacky stuff at DCCAP to try and make this work, including we allow ordering of out-of-stock items. We allow orders to be split into multiple shipments from, from multiple locations, just depending on where we have it in stock. So particularly on the B2B side, when a customer can build a, a cart 
that's 15, 20, 25 items long, that can become a really cumbersome algorithm to try and figure out and it can slow down that checkout process. So we're working through that issue to see how can we improve and make that a more efficient um, allocation of, of the order. Another challenge for us is handling B2B customer pricing. Uh, not every customer gets the same price on our B2B website. There are different levels, there are tiers. Uh, certain customer segments may get a special price on certain brands, but then the standard price on other brands. So it's, it's pretty complicated. It's really had us go back to the drawing board and say, are we doing this right? Maybe we should rethink our whole pricing structure and make it simpler. And I think that's probably an approach we're going to take in order to um, navigate this challenge. And as I mentioned before, just the, the challenge of educating and engaging our B2B customer, helping them to understand how the new site works. I mean, it's a pretty um, intuitive and prototypical e-commerce experience for the most part, but that B2B part of it is different and not all customers are going to pick up on it right away. So, you know, taking the time to do that one-on-one -on -one education with them and educating our sales force so that they can go out and, um, and, and work with the customer and, and help them to understand how it works it is important as well. And then another big challenge, and I think this is probably a pretty common one for a lot of companies, this is just dealing with messy data. And we've been in business for over 40 years and we've got, you know, a lot of um, data that we've collected, whether it be product or customer data over the years. Um, and maybe we haven't always put it in the right spot or been consistent with how it's been entered. And um, that can lead to issues, particularly when you're pushing around, pushing it to the website, you're setting up operations to depend on certain values. Um, it's really important to try and get it consistent. And, you know, you've got a company of X amount of people, we've got 60 employees and everybody is maybe doing something uh, the way they see to do it um, and can mean 60 different variations of how that data is entered. So standardizing and, and making your data consistent is a really important thing to ensure that you don't run into issues later. I read Amazon recently called it um, oh, data hygiene. And I think that that's a really good term for it. You, you really want to try and clean it up and make it consistent as much as possible. And another one of the big things to, to address those challenges, and I mentioned it before and I'll, I want to mention it again, is just the communication piece. Communicate and then communicate some more with that developer, with your partners in the project. DC Cap was really great. They set up weekly communication calls with us every day, uh, at the same day every week, the same time every week. We were on a call with DC Cap where they were able to uh, go over what they had been working over for the previous week, what they had planned for the upcoming week, what they were going to be working on is an opportunity for them to ask questions, to share their screen and demonstrate different things to us and, and work through any issues that were coming up. And there were, was a representative from Magento on those calls each week as well. So he was a resource for us to be able to ask technical questions and make sure that we were doing things um, to the, their standards and, and, and exercising best practices. Uh, we used a couple of uh, communication tools as well throughout the project that were really valuable. Basecamp uh, initially, and then once we got into the testing phase of the project, we used Trello, which you have if you haven't used, it's a really nifty tool for um, basically just managing multiple tickets, and and we you can 
move them around into different statuses. It's just a nice project management type of tool um, that we found very valuable. We're still continuing to use after launch as we address, you know, things that we see come up or, or it, things that we want to implement. And then I know it's kind of an old technology, but screen captures were so valuable throughout the project just to help in communicating what you're looking at, what you're wanting, and particularly in testing. Uh, you know, I'm with the philosophy that you get a lot of people involved in testing from uh, all over the company uh, because, you know, again, the website is touching all kinds of jobs within the company. So get those people involved, check out the processes that affect them and teaching them all how to do screen captures and make notes on those screen captures was really valuable um, just to speed up communication to help DC cap understand what we were looking at. Um, you know, it, it seems basic, but it was just, it was really important for us. And the final thing I'll just say with our project that was really important was to measure results. Um, you know, you spend a lot of money on a platform migration. They spend a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of brain cells. And uh, it's important that you're getting something for that. We didn't want it to just be a lateral move because Magenta One was uh, nearing into life and we had to make a move. We wanted to get something out of this. So, you know, um, for me, conversion rate is like the ultimate metric that really tells you um, whether your new website is performing better or worse than the old one, because it's no matter how big the audience is, it's telling you uh, what that experience is like for the customer. Are they um, converting to an order, which is ultimately what you want to see, right? So I'm happy to report with our new sites. We've been launched about five or six weeks now. Uh, conversion rate is up anywhere from 25 to 35%, depending on the day a week, uh, which is really exciting. And another thing that uh, we were measuring was the page load times. And, um, you know, that was one of our key uh, priorities that we wanted to tackle with this project. And I'm happy to report that we're, we've got page load times that were up to 50% faster than our old sites. Again, I think a lot of that has to do with getting rid of a lot of those extensions, having the, the native features of Magento to, um, to do what we're wanting it to do in terms of the user experience. And the bounce rate is lower by about 15% for our new sites, which is great. Bounce rate can be kind of a um, sticky um, feet, uh, sticky uh, metric to, to measure by. Uh, it can be misleading. But um, in take, taking it in context with some of these other things that we're seeing, and I think you can see it's a positive one. And then the average session time, again, taken on its own, it, it may not tell you much. I mean, if, if session times are up, that could mean that the customers are struggling to find what they want or do do the whatever action they're trying to do. Um, but in this case, when you compare it with also conversion rate, page load times and that sort of thing, um, I believe that this is a positive metric for us that the sessions are lasting about 50% longer uh, than they were on the old sites. So all really good results and um, you know, we're excited about just how seamless this transition has been from our old sites to the new ones. And um, we're excited for the platform that we have and the partner that we have. We feel like there's a lot of opportunity to continue to grow. As uh, anybody who's been through a web uh, migration will know, it's never done. Uh, there's never a, a finish line. You're continually going to be um, revising and improving to try and um, meet whatever new customer expectations there are.
So that's really all I have. And I appreciate all of you signing up and listening to the, the presentation. Uh, if you've got any questions, uh, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or you can email me directly, rvanhooser at marysvillemarine.com. Um, I've enjoyed talking with you guys. And um, again, feel free to reach out to me. Be happy to discuss any of the questions that you have about the presentation. All right. That was a great presentation from Ryan about their digital transformation journey. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Driven E-Commerce at Work podcast. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. And this show is brought to you by TCCAP, the company well known for its e-commerce product suits for B2B distributors. To learn more, visit dccap.com. That's www.dccap.com. Make sure you subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening. Catch you guys very soon with another interesting episode. Until next time, see you.